Yeah, how are you feeling? I feel fine. Uh, I've been telling people that if this were 2019, I would probably be at work right now. Whether that was smart or not, that's probably where I would have been uh, pre this. But given the positive nature of the test, I am in my house, living the dream. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So quarantining, but feeling fine. Yeah. Yep. A little congested. You can hear it in the in the voice. If I sound a little yeah. uh, a little like a 1920s jazz singer, that's where that's coming from. <clears throat> Good, yeah, you know, I'm sure that's what our audience was hoping for—a little more 1920s sure. jazz influence. I think. Who doesn't want that? It's a, it's a great period. It's for everybody. It's like a national depression uh, <laughs> coming, you know, so, and there might be one nowadays too. So. <laughs> Yay! That's right. All right, well, welcome back to the Beyond Sunday podcast. We're exploring how to take our faith beyond Sunday morning. This is Patrick Nazaroff. With me, as always, Pastor David Bowser. How are we doing, Patrick? And no Elise McCarter. No. Yes, her... Um, she abandoned us her, in our time of need. Yeah, her family is in town. A likely um, excuse. My family's here. Yes, yes her parents are in town. Oh, extended and I think family. She, uh, on day of recording, she took her dad flying. So that's All right. Fun. Yeah. She didn't take us, nor she did. It, nor did she invite us. We have, yet, we have not been invited flying. That's yeah. true. We I'm need say, to record one from the air. So, Eventually, I'm cool with her. You know, getting more of the license stuff done before I'm, you know, recording with her in the plane. That's fine. Maybe, yeah, maybe an official license. I think yeah. she's still in uh, in the training section. Yeah, I'm sure she does great. You know, I'm but, sure she does. But you know, I also don't want to drive with a 16 year old, nor do I want to fly with somebody who's still training. It's fine. I'm just gonna wait fair, until you're fair done. Fair enough. Yeah. And uh, if we sound a little weird, it's because we are uh, recording over Zoom. Woo. Um, the, during the middle ages of the podcast, yes. we recorded a lot over Zoom. We did. Uh, but we're back over Zoom. If you did not hear at the beginning, Pastor David has COVID. I do. It finally so, caught me. Two and a half years later, finally got me. Yes. Uh, and it sounds like a relatively mild case. So That's thus far. Yep, I'm counting my chickens. Or not counting my chickens. Which one's good? I don't remember which one I'm supposed to do. Uh, you know, you got to count your chickens. Well, you don't count your chickens before they hatch, uh, right? Like, but after they hatch, you want to count them because you don't want the fox to get them. So, sure, you want to know how many chickens. You, yeah, and you you still want to know how many eggs you have. I've got exactly. But you don't the want right, to be like I got a, some eggs. I've got the exactly you know. the right number of chickens. It's fine. I've got Great. all the chickens that I'm supposed to have. <laughs> yes, perfect, perfect, perfect. All right, yeah. So um, this may be a a little bit fa- faster uh, recording. We're not sure. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Get into it. We'll see how we'll long see. my voice holds up. That'll be part of the fun. Yes, that's that's the one uh, thing we've got going here. Okay, I've got some news for us. All right, what do we got? Are you familiar with the Minions movie? Uh, I'm familiar with the Minions as characters. I cannot say that I'm conversive in the Minions specific movie. Uh, I know well, that it, I know that it exists. It's yeah, there. It yeah. just came out relatively soon. Uh, and it's a thing, like it's a it's a meme. Well, we know mean, minions memes probably from Facebook, right? Sure. From, like your great aunt posts like a minion with like a, uh, you know, like you don't have to be crazy to work here, but it helps. Kind of a saying. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Some I gotcha. Generic, really uh-huh. silly. Classic. Uh, that's exactly know, the it, kind of thing my great aunt does. That's perfect. I imagine that's what everybody's great aunt is doing right now. <laughs> He's on Facebook posting minions memes, uh, but it's now memes to the kids. Hashtag gentle minions. Ooh, okay. Okay, and this meme means teenagers dress up in suits and then go see the minions. Oh, okay. Because so they're the just, gentlemen. 
Minions. Oh, okay. Gentle Minions. Oh, yeah. So you just get dressed up and then go watch the Minions movie. I like that. I'm down with that. I'm down with that. It's kind of created Minions in a little bit of a smash hit. It had over a hundred million weekend. Wow. And that was pretty unexpected. And partly, I think, because of this Gentle Minions meme uh, that's going around where teenagers are dressing up in suits to go see the Minions. You know what? I've always uh, been a fan of like formal attire for silly occasions. I think that's just a fun thing to do. I'm uh, I'm gaming for this. Me too. Uh, a few years ago, I tried to get the kids to uh, wear blazers to go play laser tag, and we call it blazer tag. But our teenagers did not want to wear blazers. It was kind of annoying. I'm like, Quitters. this would be so much fun. Like, it'd be yeah. so silly. Yeah. Maybe they were the wrong. Maybe that's the wrong generation. They were not part of the gentle minions memes. Uh, mm. You know, grouping. Yeah, maybe you need to try again. Maybe this generation is the the blazer generation, the blazer tag generation. All right, uh, this is from an article from the BBC. Okay. Uh, and in the article, Stace Woods, a teaching assistant, said um, that uh, when she saw the film, uh, the teenager was so much fun and so well-behaved, and they politely stopped bowing down and worshipping a giant poster of Gru so her children could pose for a photo with it. Well, as long as they were polite about it, that's fine. <laughs> If you're unfamiliar with the Minions, Gru is a character in the Minions. Yeah, he's yeah. Like the main character? I don't he's know. The, he's, the, the he's the leader movie. of the Minions. He, he's the evil villain, and the Minions are his Minions. Yeah. Or, or he's also the good guy? I don't know. I saw the yeah. first one. It was fine. You know, it's for a kid's movie. I'm like, yeah, whatever. He's one of those classic uh, evil villains turned good guy scenarios. Yeah. Uh, but not all, not all theaters are having such positive behavior from the mean from the minions meme some some are having to ban teenagers in suits oh no to see the minions uh for being loud rowdy and throwing things at the screen this is not gentlemanly behavior that that is not that is not how a gentleman would behave at the minions yeah yeah very un-british too that does just sound, sounds I agree. that sounds like that something feels, an american would do this is... <laughs> that feels pretty pretty uh you know well i mean i don't know there's like you know, street toughs in, oh, sure. in England too, right? Probably. Yeah, in my head, all of England is still like 18th century England. So even street sure. toughs are like, you know, gonna like box and they're all like or prissy. something. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I guess their suits have like flowery, like uh, you know, uh, decoratives on them. That's and, you probably know, kind it. of yeah. a, like, like you know, they're wearing white wigs, like Parliament. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Do they wear white wigs in Parliament? Uh, in certain courts they do. I don't know about Parliament, but in certain courts they they do. You're a barrister's wig. You're still. Re- it's like a required part of the attire, kind of like a judge's robe. Yeah. So at our last youth group, in that the kids were talking about like they really wanted to go see this Minions movie, and I'm like, but why? I did, I did not was not aware of the Gentle Minions meme, but now I guess I get it. They want yep. to go be a part of this. They want to go bow down. Were they the saying that they Gru. wanted to go and wear suits to the movie, or they just wanted to go see it? They did not mention the suits. I'm gonna they, have to. I'm gonna do a follow up. Yeah, because this group also would have like grown up with the original. Uh, For what sure. Was, what was it? Despicable Me, right? Which was Despicable the original, me, which was yeah. a good movie. I enjoyed Despicable Me, and so if that was yeah. like your generation, it'd be kind of like. If you and I grew up, you know, with Toy Story and they came out with a new Toy Story movie and we wanted to dress up in suits for that or, you know, I could see myself having done that in high school. Yeah, I don't want to do that. I don't, you know, maybe in high school, but now I I don't want to dress up in a suit to go to the movie theater. We're not the target audience for this. Your suit's going to get like sticky popcorn stuff all over it. It's, you know, it's it's not really a good suit environment. I I don't disagree. I'm just saying. Yeah. But, you know, teenagers, they do teenage things. They do. Yeah. They do right, things do that we will minions? never understand. 
Uh, gentle minions, I'm all for wearing suits to movies. I think that's fun. Great. Me too. But I love it. But you should engage in gentle minionly behavior. You should not be yeah. disruptive. Be weird. Bow down to your thing of crew. I think it's yeah. weird. I'm not I'm not encouraging idolatry. I think it's more like silly playfulness. But like, yeah. you know. That's what the, the golden calf was too. This is just silly playfulness, God. <laughs> <laughs> if they were wearing suits and had a hashtag, you know, I might be more, more inclined to believe it. So. Sure. Okay. All right. Let's get to our main topic. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, an article from Relevant, our friends are Relevant, from uh, actually about six weeks ago. But uh, we, we talked about, maybe we should talk about this, and we kind of put it on the back burner, but now seems like a good time to bring it back up. Let's do it. All right, so um, the headline, how do we respect, and respect is in quotes, how do we respect authority we disagree with? Ooh, okay. Yeah, so if you are on social media, not only are you seeing, like, Minions memes, uh, from either your great aunt or now your nephew. Both one of the of two. Either sharing one. Sharing minions memes right now. Um, you probably have seen people uh, arguing about politics. Um, either they're not very pleased with Joe Biden or they were not very pleased with his predecessor, Donald Trump. Uh, rarely do you see people who are not pleased with, you know, maybe there's not pleased with both. You know, I doubt you're going to find many people who are pleased with both, but. Um, you definitely are seeing kind of like a lot of like anger in our social media space when it comes to kind of governmental authority. Have you yeah. seen this? Yes. Yeah. Every day. I mean, in my own life, in the life of people at Lord of Life, uh, in, you know, uh, the social medias, as you mentioned. Yeah, it's uh, it's everywhere. Yeah. And so I guess the question here that uh, our author here, let me see, get his name. Uh, Scott Sauls uh, is asking, "How do we how do we engage in disagreement with with politics, but with respect, especially respecting those, whether they be president, state senator, um, senator in Congress, governor, mayor, whomever, who's an authority figure, and we disagree with them, uh, yeah. minor issues to major issues. How do we still respect their authority?" Yeah, I think this is a major question. I think this is a generational question as well. Um, yeah. I think if you go back, you know, pre uh, pre Gen X, uh, baby boomers to an extent, right? There's a, a deep sense of you need to um, respect and trust the institution, even if you don't respect and trust the individual, right? So, um, yeah, you know, there there was that sense of whatever the position is, whether that's a police officer, pastor, elected official, right? You always use their title. You always address them as um, sir or ma'am, right? And you always uh, speak to them and about them with respect, even if you disagree wholeheartedly with their position. And that's a, a cultural piece that I think has waned in large part because uh, time and time again, we've seen that people in those positions are not uh, acting in ways that would say you're worthy of this respect, right? Um, that respect yes. has become something that um, needs to be earned and maintained uh, rather than just uh, given out a whole cloth. And so, you know, it's, uh, everything as for, uh, as simple as not referring to police officers as officer, right? Um, and just kind of yelling either profanity or expletives or derogatory like cop and things like that at them um, to not using pastor as a title, to not using a doctor as a title, um, to not uh, speaking with respect of elected officials and saying, well, I don't, and it's, it's gotten to the point where whether or not the elected official in particular, right, whether or not they are acting in a way worthy of respect, if they disagree with you, they're automatically not worthy of your respect. And I think that's where we yeah. get into a problem. Like, is their action 
worthy of respect based on its own merits, or are we judging it based on their agreement with me? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's where we're going to got to get into some of these kind of rubs. So a big uh, verse in the Bible that does talk about respecting authority comes from Romans, Romans chapter 13. Yeah. Um, so in this, it says, like, every Christian must submit and pray for governing authorities because they have been ordained by God, like submitted and like they've been placed by God uh, in their position. This is uh, the Apostle Paul writing uh, those things. And this section has been kind of a lot of questions, right? Like, uh, mm-hmm. well, is, you know, the extreme is, is Hitler placed in his authority by God? Right. And that's a good question. I don't think so, but I think it's a good question. Yeah, I, I think it's worthy of consideration. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially in light of this verse. Um, but, but you know, this has been brought up usually as a tool against um, I like my authority right now are the authorities in charge. So I'm going to bring this up to use as a tool against those that I disagree with. Yes. And that you should submit to governing authorities that I like. Yeah. Versus whether, you know, rarely is it brought up in a sense that I should submit to governing authorities that I don't like. Well, no, because uh, that's uncomfortable. Why would I want to do that? Yes. And, and I think we can say for certain, um, you know, if you're listening to this in America, American exists because a group of people decided not to submit to the governing authorities that they do not like. There is um, that. And most, you know, many nations of the world have these periods where they had groups of people uh, say, I do not submit to the governing authorities I do not like and bring about change through either civil disobedience, military disobedience, yeah. uh, or outright, you know, uh, war. You know, yeah, like these sure. things have happened to kind of mold and shape all governing institutions. Um, so I don't necessarily want to get into the question of like, is God ordaining all those things? Uh, I think it's a little more complex than than just this one verse. Uh, but I do think it gives the question like, okay, here we are. What do we do in 2022 when I disagree with my governor, my president, my mayor, whomever? How should I engage in the political process or in school or in church when I disagree with the person who has authority over me? Over right. Me? How does that sound? Yeah, that th- I think it sounds like a great uh, direction for us to take the conversation. I, I think it's uh, an important conversation for us to have, particularly that we're coming up to an election season, right? Uh, where this is the midterms that we're uh, rolling up on. And so we're going to have lots of conversations probably with people that we disagree with. It's going to be a particularly heated election, election season given uh, decisions by the Supreme Court. I imagine people on both sides are going to be uh, using that as a rallying cry for their a particular uh, point of view. And so, you know, yeah, being able to have intelligent and meaningful conversation with people with whom we disagree, I think is a vital skill that we are losing touch with in the United States right now. Yeah. All right. So he has uh, kind of four points that he's going to bring up here in his article. So we'll take, okay. we'll, we'll take a look at these four points. Let's go. So number one is, is kind of uh, interesting here. Show respect for authorities with whom you disagree. Wait, so his okay. <laughs> his trick for, or his like, uh, key for how to show respect for authorities with whom you disagree is to show respect for authorities with whom you disagree? Is this yeah. like a, a fake it till you make it scenario? 
I know. I don't know. This one is uh, pretty weak here. But I do think it brings up, uh, he's going to bring up a couple points here that I do think are important uh, to look at. So when we look at authority, especially in the Old Testament, um, the Old Testament spans a wider range of time. Uh, we get kind of more of a God and government kind mm-hmm. of picture than the New Testament. In the New Testament, the early Christians had no political power. Like, they had no... Uh, and no political influence and no desire to gain either of them. Yeah. Uh, so when it comes to like navigating political systems as a voting citizen, the New Testament, I don't think, has a ton to offer that. So we kind of just go back to the Old Testament. So like, how does it work there? And I think we have kind of these two extremes represented in the Old Testament uh, that I think is important to navigate through. One is Israel, which is a god kind of ordained country mm-hmm. ruling with at least the mindset that God is in control of this country. Yeah. Now, we a theocratic through, monarchy. Yeah. We went through the kings in our you know books of the Bible series we did. and we can safely say oh, the vast majority of those kings were mm. awful at their yeah. job. Not great. And, yeah. And you know really it's only like 3 or 4 of them really get it even close to kind of right. The vast majority are corrupt, are um, selfish, and totally given to, like, idolatry. They're bowing down at the posters of Gru almost immediately. Uh, they're not yeah. gentlemen. Yeah. They are gentle minions. You know, like, they are not, they're, they're really screwing it all up immediately. Um, and so we have that kind of one. Sometimes we dabble in America is kind of like Israel, is this mm-hmm. God-ordained country. Yeah. Uh, which isn't true. We need to establish that right away. That's Certainly not in the same way that Israel was, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And then two, we also have images and texts from like the book of Daniel of the Israelites, how do they operate in a country that is not their own? Mm-hmm. But they're the, the clear religious and ethnic minority, and how do they navigate those waters of like, we're the minority, living in the majority that disagrees with our point of view. How do we navigate these waters? Yeah. And I don't necessarily think America is that either because I don't think Christians are this clear minority in, like they are in uh, the book of Daniel uh, where they're kind of like kind of a subjugated minority. Sure. We're kind of in this, I think, in this weirder in-between phase of we are not living under Israel where you know God is at the head of, of our government and we're also not living under Babylon we're kind of in this weird in between. Does that follow? Yeah, no, I got you. Yeah. And so I do think it kind of helps, like, how do Christians in both those places navigate respect for authorities? So we do see in Israel, like we saw David, kind of his respect for the King Saul was mm-hmm. so great that even though he could have assassinated him multiple times and taken the throne by force, chooses not to. Yeah. Chooses to respect the king. So let me, uh, ask, you, let me David, ask you a question for that. Yeah. Is that respect for Saul or is that respect for God over over David's desire for power? Uh, I don't know. At least as I, I think both are, I think both are important here. But I think that's, I think it's a, a more of an indication of David's awareness that God is in control of the situation, that David doesn't need to grab the power for himself, that God God has already granted this thing to him, and I, and I think that is a, a, an important part of the conversation that we're having, right? That. If I set out with the intention of or convincing someone else or proving to someone else that I'm right or that uh, that they're wrong or whatever that might be, I'm kind of I'm kind of putting myself into the God's place, saying I need to reach out and grab this for myself, as opposed to 
loving that person and demonstrating that God is going to be in control of this in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well we do see that David won't even speak negatively about Saul. Sure. Yep. So I mean, like, so I think that that is, that is kind of the power behind there. And then in um, Daniel, we do see Daniel and his friends kind of like how they speak respectively to the king Nebuchadnezzar as they disagree with him yeah. uh, over things like forced idol worship or forced breaking of their kosher diet. You know, like we see like kind of really beautiful like examples of like this is what it means to engage with a culture that is against you. And it's not through power or through let me use the government to subjugate the culture that's against me. It's really submission is kind of like how they... <clears throat> in many ways, kind of like engage. And that doesn't mean submission to the governing authorities. It's submission to their consequence of, of kind of not submitting to the government authority. Right. Uh, saying, I will not bow down and I submit to the consequences for that. Yeah. Not, I will not bow down and let me make sure you're punished for trying to make me bow down. Yeah. You know, like, or let me, you know, sue King Nebuchadnezzar and the court system to make sure he can't make me bow down. Yeah. Um, you know, it's kind of like, I won't do that and I'm willing to engage in every consequence that follows mm -hmm. and through that we're going to change King Nebuchadnezzar's heart which is how the story progresses yeah okay so I think that's two you know some ways that we can kind of glean from the Old Testament of how we engage with this authority all right let's go to number two all right all right engage in the political process in a grown-up non-judgmental way okay what do you mean yeah, by that uh I am for it <laughs> but uh, he is going to quote John Wesley, who okay. is uh, founder of the Methodist Church. Uh -huh. And so he says this uh, in, 19, in 1774. Um, I meet those of our society who had votes in the ensuing election and advise them to vote for the person they judged most worthy, to speak no ill of the person they voted against, and to take care their spirits were not sharpened against those that voted on the other side. All right. And I think this is, is kind of good political mm -hmm. advice. This idea of like, okay, let me check my own heart, vote for the person I deem most worthy. Uh, and that means don't vote for a letter, but vote for the person that I deem most worthy. Yeah. Um, and be sure to I'm not here to speak evil of the person that I'm against. And that doesn't mean not speaking truth, but I'm not here to speak evil. Yeah, run right? a clean campaign. Yeah. And um, make sure... In this process, my heart doesn't become against those that I disagree with politically. Yeah. That that's the easiest thing to do kind of, I think, in this in the upcoming midterms as we're debating online, uh, you know, surrounded by minions memes, um, that we hearts are don't just get sharpened against the people that we're against. Yeah. We stop seeing them as people. We start seeing them as sole adversaries who need to be defeated in a sense. And yeah. And I think that that's much harder. Yeah, I think that's much harder. I think it's uh, much more powerful to do that work as well, to say that I'm willing to, to stick in this. I'm willing to continue to see you as uh, a beloved member of my community, whether I agree with you or not. Uh, yeah. Particularly difficult when they are often not willing to reciprocate that. Absolutely. Uh, response, right? Um, that you, we have to, in so many ways, be able to rise above that to say, uh, agree or disagree, I'm going to continue to to see you as human. Um, yeah. And, you know, the other piece that I'll, I'll say, this is going back to kind of the first part of this, that we vote for the person we deem most worthy. This does not idolize any of the leaders, right? This is saying, I 
acknowledge that all of these are flawed individuals. Um, yes. None of them are going to be perfect. None of them are going to do everything that I want. But I think this is the one who best aligns with my hopes and my visions for our community or our nation, whatever position we're electing them to. Yeah. It does not. It does not say, "Oh, God has chosen this person, and everyone must vote for this person as well." Right? That is not what this does. Yeah, almost always, uh, the people who desire political power are the least, you know, equipped to deal with it. You know, like, mm. like in some ways, like the people who want to be president or governor or your senator are to engage in the political process are probably the least likely people in our society that should have those positions, but. Those are the people who we were, we're kind of like looking at to vote for. And yeah. that doesn't mean like everybody, you know, I think is in the political realm is fueled by like those those kings of Israel. You know, we can just take like take knowledge that like even there where God was kind of at the center of their theocracy, they were awful. Yep. So how, you know, here we can be just as awful. And so. Sometimes it says, like, I'm voting for this person. I don't particularly like this person. I would rather vote for somebody else. And I'm open and willing to criticize them even as I'm voting for them. And I think that's yeah. an important thing. Um, sometimes we cast our lot and say, like, well, they're on my team and now I can't uh, criticize them. Or any criticism against them is actually a criticism against me because I yeah. voted for them. You know, mm -hmm. like, and they're on my team. You know, and I, we engage kind of now we start sharpening our hearts against those on the other side. Yeah. Um, and I think that that can be especially dangerous when we engage online because it's so easy to kind of type out something mean-spirited or hurtful or to stop seeing, you know, this comment as a person on the other side because we can just close our computers and walk away. Mm -hmm. uh, that we can't do when we engage in person, uh, you know, that we have to see them as, you know, people there. Or it's, easy, it's easier to lose sight of it when you're online because it's just words on a screen. Yeah. Not... Uh, you know, things like that. Okay. Number three. Uh, remember, Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. Okay. How does that help me speak of authority that I disagree with with respect? Okay. Well, I think this one reminds me or helps me kind of get engaged in this, like, idea that for Christians, mm -hmm. I don't think there are actual political wins yeah. Oh, okay. All right. That our our wins, and this isn't what he's saying. This is what I, what I think. Our wins come in sacrifice, service, and through the power of the gospel. That's yeah. how we win in society. And so, when the Supreme Court or the president or my state does something I like, even if it has the label of Christianity on top of it, it's not really a win for the church. Mm, we don't mm -hmm. win that way. Uh, and the early church never won that way. They could not win with the backing of the Roman government. They could only win in society through the power of the gospel. And so... If you're online, especially after Roe v. Wade, saying, like, what a win for Christianity, I think this is not our kingdom. That's not how we win. We win in different ways. And that doesn't mean you can't be excited about that or right. on board with that decision. I think that's fine. Um, I think we're going to address that uh, as soon as we can all get together. Um, but but um, that is not necessarily a win for Jesus. Yeah. Because uh, that's not how Jesus is not super engaged in like shaping this 
kingdom. He's more about shaping the next one that we can tap into here, but through the power of the gospel, not through the power of our vote. Yeah, you know, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I think this is he's going to bring up here that I think matters here um, that, that we really don't get in the Gospels. We don't get really interactions between a lot of the disciples. We know that two of his disciples, one, we have Simon, not Simon Peter, who's a zealot, means anti-government, anti-Rome, and Matthew, a tax collector, an employee of the state. And they're both followers of Jesus. And they're both part of these you know, kind of intimate followers of Jesus. And we never see these two characters have a conversation in the Gospels. In fact, we rarely see any of their conversations in the Gospels. Um, but they're both there. Yeah. And they both are sitting at the feet of Jesus. Uh, because I think they both see something bigger than what their previously held beliefs are in Jesus. Um, does that... I, I For me, that gives me hope that this is possible uh, when we're focused on jesus this gives us hope for this can be a possibility for us uh on how we engage with those we disagree with yeah i think so i think part of that right that uh matthew and the simon the zealot uh you know they had uh, differing opinions of how perhaps the jewish people should be responding to roman oppression or perhaps or perhaps how uh, rome should be handling things but they had a singular vision on the kingdom of God, and they they were united behind that vision with Jesus, and I think what we've what we've done, and you know, we get it all tangled up in like you know separation of church and state and this that and the other, and uh, and that has its place and it has a purpose for its conversation. But what we've missed is the opportunity to say uh, Jesus has a vision, and that's what we unite behind, regardless of what's happening in the political world. And there there are times when that vision we should be advocating for it politically, but if we're not taking that vision to heart and working for it in our day-to-day uh, and making that a reality in our day-to-day, then we're also missing the point. Yeah. It doesn't do me any good to, to advocate for politics that uh, may or may not align with Jesus if I'm not living that vision every day uh, and if I'm not yeah. willing to invite other people into that vision every day. Um, it just doesn't do me any good. Absolutely. 100% agree. And I think that gives us to his last point here. Ask yourself the most important question. Uh, And for him, the question is, for whom do I feel greater affection? People who agree with my my politics but don't share my faith or people who share my faith but don't agree with my politics? Uh, What do you think about that question? Say it one more time for me. For whom do I feel greater affection? People who agree with my politics but don't share my faith or people who share my faith but don't agree with my politics? Yeah, I mean, I think the answer, you know, as we were kind of alluding to a few moments ago, it should be united around that that vision of Christ, right? That we should be in yeah. that second group. I, I don't know that that's true for the majority of people uh, right now. Um, I'm not sure it's true for me sometimes. I will yeah, admit that. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think sometimes that happens when I look to the world and I think the, the fix is getting the right people in power and not the fix is through prayerfully, uh, you know, supporting my community. And sometimes... You know, that that both can be true, but it's easy to sometimes feel like if only this person was elected, then I think we would get a little bit more headway into how we do things. Yeah, but I think this I think this is an important question. I think it loses a little bit the central question of how do I uh, treat that authority with respect even when I disagree with it. Right. I, I think that that really is the central question that we're trying to address here is, you know, when. When I have the authority that I disagree with, how do I treat that person with respect? And I think 
there, I really need to be even more intentionally centered on Christ in my life and on the, the I don't want to say godliness, the, the God-madeness of the individual that we're speaking to, right? That mm-hmm. whatever power structure we have, uh, the individual that is at the center of that power structure is an individual human being created by God. And how do we treat that person with that respect? You know, that, that's one of the hardest things about protest right now, right? There's a, um, there's a verse from Colossians, actually. It's a, a reading in this Sunday's gospel lesson, or not a gospel, it's because it's from Colossians. Um, there's a re- it's a reading in this, uh, this week's uh, lesson, and it says, may you be made strong with all the strength that comes from uh, his glorious power for Jesus, and may you be prepared to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to, uh, to the Father, and it goes on from there. Um, but that line, like, endure everything with patience, I think often we use that to suppress uh, people who are uh, feeling um, feeling like a, a power structure is treating them unjustly or unfairly. And we're like, oh, well, you're just supposed to endure with patience rather than giving people the space to mm-hmm. uh, to protest and to express that. And at the same time, right, we've allowed ourselves in some ways to get to be to become focused on anger and to become focused on mm-hmm. um, places where we've been hurt rather than focusing on the redemptive power of Christ as well. And it's easy for me to say that as uh, from the position of privilege that I sit, right? And I, I'll just acknowledge yeah. that. It's easy for me to say that. I'm not the one uh, uh, out in the streets having to experience this. I'm not the one whose community is being uh, threatened. I'm not, you know, I'm just, I'm not in that community right now. Um, but I think both sides of those have been hurt and we, we are, have been hurt and we're losing the opportunity to have respect for one another in the midst of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how do we endure all things with patience and allows people the space to uh, raise their voice against injustice? Um, Cause both of those things are, are true and necessary. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think in, you know, one of the benefits that I really liked about kind of going through kind of our Old Testament series uh, into the New Testament are, are looking at the Bible uh, kind of book by book as we kind of were going through is seeing like one of the, I think, major themes of the Old Testament that if you're not, if you're only reading it a little bit, a verse at a time or a story at a time, you may miss out on is God's desire for like justice for the oppressed. Like this comes up so, so, mm-hmm. so many times and it's constantly brought up of like, even as those kings that we mentioned are failing, one of the things it's always pointed to is not like, do are they you know praying in their schools or are they uh, you know doing all these things? It's are they how do they treat the poor, the widow, the orphan? Like how do they treat those on the fringes of society? How are they treated and are they supported or are they exploited? And every time if those governments of those kings of those communities are exploiting them they're failing like it's never a situation where they can be a good king or a good situation for the people and those things are on the back burner for the kingdom like it's never going to happen and i think we just kind of see that that theme over and over and over again that that is a godly government is one that focuses in on those things and so for me uh, how do I respect those I disagree with? I, I think we constantly need to make sure we're looking at those people, whether that's voting not just on behalf of my interests, but on behalf of uh, those that are the vulnerable in our community and our society, um, and also advocating for their for their you know protection and well being, especially if they cannot advocate for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it is it is fine 
to protest. That is not necessarily dis, you know, disrespecting authority. Right. Yep. I think it's a reminder that this is what God desires in our world. And as a Christian, that's what I want. I want there to be um, love and care for those that are on the fringes. Uh, and, and Jesus wants that too. Um, how we do that is obviously a bit of a, you know, we can all disagree on, on that. But if somebody is protesting because they want that, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, like that's even even if I necessarily might not agree with the way that they're doing it, I think that that's okay. You know, because that's what God ultimately desires is is those on the fringes are supported and loved and cared for. Uh, that's a I get a major theme of the Old Testament of how God's people are supposed to approach the world. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. So this midterm, it's okay to disagree with the candidates that are on display. It's okay to get. Uh, disagree with those that are ultimately elected it's okay to cast your vote for somebody and be like i really don't even like this person but they're closer <laughs> you know to yeah. to caring for those that are on the fringes uh or those that are the oppressed um and whatever that looks like i think that you know for you i think that matters um and it's also okay to have civil disobedience um i think one of the things we don't want to encourage is it's not okay to you know, paint your political opponent, opponents in a worse light than they are to dis, to engage on Facebook or Twitter in hate hate or rhetoric that forgets to see them as people, uh, the other side as people, and to act in a way that is that makes you lose sight of the gospel, uh, even if you see the other side losing sight of the gospel. Yeah. Yep. All right. There we go. So we'll see what happens, but uh, let's start with respect. Yeah. We'll start there. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. Cool. I know what it means to me. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, hey, if you liked this episode, uh, be sure to check us out at beyondsundaypodcast.com. Uh, send us your thoughts on uh, people that you've had a hard time respecting, but how you might uh, show that respectful discourse going forward. You can send those thoughts to uh, beyondsundaypodcast at gmail.com. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next week with more Beyond Sunday.